Hello and welcome to the Open Revolution podcast and a very happy new year to our listeners. Uh, in this podcast we're getting to know James Smith and the Something New Party uh, during his campaign for the general election and the seat in Horsham, which is uh, now actually happening this year, I can now say this year. Uh, and uh, without further ado, hello James, how are you? Hi Charlie, I'm fine, thank you very much. Recovered from the uh, very happy new year the whole day. Happy new yes. year. <laughs> yeah. Happy new year to everyone <laughs> and, out there uh, as well. Yes, and uh, we're both taking refuge from our infants yep. <laughs> yep. who are refusing to sleep. Yeah, mine's uh, running so, around the house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it's like it's very much like um, inviting a barbarian into your house and, in, and then saying, no, no, you can stay. <laughs> <laughs> you just wait. Yours is, uh, yours is only, a, what, a month or so exactly. old now? Exactly. Yeah, two months now. Oh, so, yeah. Cranky. <laughs> Um, and how have you been, James? Uh, have you, have been, uh, did you uh, take a bit of a break over the Christmas period from campaigning, or were you quite busy? Um, I did. I think, you know, everybody's uh, got other things to concentrate on over Christmas, so it was a bit quieter. Um, took the time to try and do a bit of reading, um, catch up on a few things, but obviously uh, children are around, so I didn't actually get much done at all. I mostly just played with them, so that was nice. Uh, it was oh. nice to, to concentrate on the family for a little while uh, before the madness right. of 2015 descends on us. <laughs> exactly. And um, um, uh, you're, uh, you, you sort of got things kicked off last week with another meeting, didn't you? Yeah, so we had a, a meeting in a local pub last Friday night, um, which was really good. We had a few people come along, lots of really good conversation. Um, again, loads of really good feedback on the whole thing, really, so... Yeah, hoping to to carry that on and and build on it in the uh, in the next what four months. The clock is ticking. Absolutely. Uh, well, without further ado, we're going to uh, continue. Uh, this is going to be another supplemental podcast. We're we're not uh, going to be looking at uh, the manifesto this week. Um, James, you gave a talk uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, as part of the uh, ODI. Um, we're going to actually incorporate that talk into this podcast in a, in, a, in a couple of minutes. Can you just give us an idea of what the talk was about? Who was it to? What was it in aid of? So every week at my uh, office, uh, the Open Data Institute, we, we have a Friday lunchtime lecture, uh, which is free for anybody to come and attend. It's on a, a subject, uh, on various subjects all around uh, data or you know, information, you know, what people do with it. Um, and the one just before Christmas, we uh, we were running a uh, an open data Christmas carol. So there were three short talks done by um, people who work at the ODI. Uh, the uh, you know the ghost of open data past, present, and future. And I uh, I managed to to wangle the uh, the future part, which is good because I think about that quite a lot. <laughs> That that seems like the plum one. Oh, you must totally. have really pulled some strings and called in favours to get the other two. No, I just uh, repl- I replied to the email first. I see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have photos of people. That's good. Okay then. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to listen to that uh, now and then um, talk about it afterwards. Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. So, we've heard from the ghosts of past and present, and that means I get to be the ghost of open data future. Or, more accurately from Dickens, the ghost of open data yet to come, which there's plenty of if the list of unpublished data sets on 
Teddy Tugglebuck is anything to go by. In A Christmas Carol, the, the, ghost of future, the ghost of Christmas future is described like this. When it came near him, Scrooge bent down upon his knee, for in the very air through which this spirit moved, it seemed to scatter gloom and mystery. The ghost took Scrooge into his own future and showed him a vision of despair and of misery. Maybe the ghost had it right. The future is indeed a dark and scary place. We live in a time of converging crises where climate change, economic instability, population growth and many more issues threaten to make the future a worse place to be. But looking at the future like that isn't really a good approach. As Scrooge demanded of the ghost, Good spirit, assure me that I yet may change these shadows you've shown me by an altered life. Fortunately, then, here we can diverge from Dickens. Because when we look at the future through the lens of open data, it's very much the opposite of the ghost's gloom. There may be some mystery, but there's plenty to look forward to. We're right at the beginning of the open data journey, and we can easily see a bunch of ways in which it might help people in the very near future. Perhaps it'll let Tiny Tim get access to better healthcare. We can help Bob Cratchit get his work done more efficiently and get home earlier to his family. And you never know, Scrooge might find, as so many of our members and startups here do, that open data is a competitive advantage. It might even help him make more money, which would make him, if not happy, then at least less grumpy. Beyond that, we can imagine that if data is freely available and properly machine-readable, then we can use our technology to combine that data in new and unexpected ways, to gain new insights, to use our resources more efficiently, and to find new areas of innovation and advancement. And of course, open data isn't just about first-world problems. The biggest impacts will come when we take what we've learned and help apply it all across the world. It's not just about people in the rich world finding a school with the best exam results. It's about people in the poorest nations being able to find a school with a toilet. There will be backlashes. Some will find open data threatening to their positions. If we expose inefficiencies, misallocation of funds, or even wrongdoing, there will be those who will use their power to stop us. At the moment, we're trying to convince everyone that open data is a good thing. Soon, there will be opposing forces trying even harder in the other direction. But we will win. Because, as open corporates say, people won't choose open data because it's open. They'll choose it because it's better. But, as often the case with these things, the true revolution lies not in the technology. The tech, the data, they're all part of it. But it's not the full story. The revolution is open. Those of us who work in open, whether it's open source, open data open science or open content, are all pushing at a new way of working, a new way of thinking. As we so often remind ourselves at the ODI, it's not about data, it's about culture. Open teaches us to accept new ideas, to trust in other people, and to be more accepting of experimentation and failure. It gives us new ways to work together, to collaborate, to solve bigger and bigger problems. Those problems we face are huge, And the ghost of the future, if we let it, could show us plenty of terrible outcomes. But the open revolution will help us face those, to take the best ideas humanity has to offer and combine them to overcome whatever the future throws at us. Open 
helps us share information so that everyone can have access to the sum total of human knowledge. It also helps us expand that knowledge by bringing ever more information out from the darkened corners of our world into the sunlight where we can see it. Open corporates are a great example of this, showing us all just how companies and banks structure themselves to avoid inconvenient national regulation. Open can help us learn in new ways that can adapt to the challenges of the future rather than being educated into the roles of the past. We will learn much more from each other, not just from a special few. Open can spread decision-making out from the ivory towers so that we can all have a say in how we organise ourselves, how we use our resources together. Open allows us all to be creators, not just consumers, whether it's writing for the web, publishing data about our activities, or taking part in the new manufacturing revolution using 3D printing data from I Can Make. We all have the ability to create, remix, and improve. Open is a ladder onto the shoulders of giants that lets us all stand there and reach higher than we ever could alone. I also believe that open is the thin end of a wedge that helps us build better societies. If we can accept that everyone has something to give, then perhaps we can even rebuild community, kindness and respect. We can rebuild the public realm, the commons to which we all have a right. Perhaps this is idealistic. But what's the point of looking to the future if you're not going to try to make it better? After all, the ghost didn't show Scrooge the future so he could just accept it. He showed it to him so that he could change his ways and help create a better future, not just for himself, but for everyone around him. We have the same chance as Scrooge to choose the future we want. I want a future that's bright, that's optimistic. I want a future where we can all work together to make humanity better. I want a future that's open. You've been listening to a Friday Lunchtime Lecture, brought to you by the Open Data Institute. Uh, I think um, on listening to that, uh, obviously I've seen uh, you do a little bit of public speaking, but actually in the course of this podcast we've managed to avoid talking about um, your sort of personal philosophy. And I know uh, that was very much about open data, but certainly towards the end it, it, it sort of opened out and, and there were things there that could be applied to, um, well, your personal politics. Um, would you say that that's, that's true, that's, that's coming pretty close to your personal philosophy? Yeah, definitely. Um, that's kind of why I wanted to do the future speech, because I could talk a bit about what we could do with data, but then I could also talk about what I think is the real uh, power, which is the uh, the open uh, approach to things in general. And that's very much my uh, personal way of going about things, and it's a really important part of what we're trying to do with something new and with the uh, with the campaign. So, yeah, definitely. Um I think this strikes me, and we, you know, we've talked about various uh, items of the manifesto and, and your approach to things. Um, I think it would be, I mean, my, my spin on it is that it's it's very technocratic. Um, it's almost um, a, a scientific approach to government. Um, you know, the the best ideas in theory will 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 win out, um, and you know, it, it it would hopefully operate on some sort of meritocracy. Is there another way um, to express that in terms of a sort of political vision? You know, I, I 
I think we can. Uh, it's fair to say that you're not particularly politically conservative. You're also not a communist. Is there, you know, where where on that spectrum do you do you lie, uh, if at all? Um, that's a really good question. Um, the uh, we came up with a really nice answer to this on uh, on Friday, actually, which is that asking whether we're we're sort of looking at left or right here. That's a very twentieth century way of looking at things, right? We're trying to go forwards from that to take um, the best parts from um, from all of the political thinking so far, from all of the ways we've tried to do things so far, and and move forward. So we might take the you know the the social conscience. Uh, stuff which more sort of traditionally belongs on the left with the ideas of decentralization and so on that come from the right perhaps and and move forwards into into the future um using technology using the new ways we have to communicate um i think i i understand where you're coming from saying it sort of could be uh, looked at as technocratic and certainly it's coming from a a technical point of view uh, as far as i'm concerned um but it's really important that it doesn't become a technocracy of the you know rule by those with the most technology that's really not what we want um it's about we can use the technology to give everybody access uh, to give everybody a measure of control a measure of input uh, in a way much more than they have at the moment so we can work together much more effectively uh, using the technology and we have to to use that technology for good you know we could use all this new technology for uh, for a great many uh, less good outcomes. I think we have a responsibility to try and do something uh, something right with it. Would you say that you've got potentially a little bit of a messaging problem at the beginning of your answer? Just then, you said you know um, left versus right is a twentieth century view on things, and I would I would largely agree with you. However, the problem is the voting public probably have that very same view, and if you can't conveniently be um, sort of categorised on that spectrum, then does that not just sort of cause crossed eyes and then a bit of a you know? Uh, yeah, we've got a huge amount of work to do. Um, absolutely, the the way politics is talked about at the moment, the way uh, government and democracy is talked about, is in this very narrow uh, way of, of of a particular spectrum. Where do you lie on that spectrum, or on a particular, you know, even in a, a very small range within that spectrum? Um, and so, yes, we do, we do have a, a lot of work to do to to show people that there are other ways of thinking. Um, fortunately, we're not alone in that. There are a lot of other people who are doing that. There's a, a sort of general movement, I think, across the world that's starting to uh, put across the ideas of other other ways of doing things. Um, and people, even within the, the sort of the Westminster politics bubble, there are things appearing that are showing that it doesn't necessarily have to be exactly the way it's always been um can so that's in, a good can thing. i just ask that's i mean sort of slightly tangentially are there people currently in government on you need in any of the parties that you see as a potential recruit for something new someone who kind of starts to slightly embody some of the ideas you're talking about or or is it do you sort of need a, a clean slate or um Will they all be up against the wall when you're in charge? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that there are some really good people in uh, in Parliament at the moment. Um, you know, everybody goes in there, I believe, with the best intentions. 
and mm. and tries to do the right thing. I, I believe that generally people are always trying to do the right thing, even if that thing is something I fundamentally disagree with. Um, <laughs> they're doing what they think is the right thing. So, but yeah, there, there are some people who I would definitely, um, I would have in a heartbeat. Yes. <laughs> well, let, let's. But, um, uh, but probably not too many. I, I think we need fewer career politicians and uh, and more uh, more normal people, if you like. Are you are you suggesting fixed term? Um, politicians, so you can only go in for two election cycles or something like that. Yeah, I think that would be quite good. Um, I can't remember whether that's actually officially in the manifesto already or whether it's pending. Uh, but yes, that's definitely a, <laughs> definitely a thing. Especially if we start okay, well, electing other uh, chambers, like uh, an elected uh, Senate or House of Lords, for instance. You definitely want to do sure. things a bit differently. Yeah. Um, well, uh, slightly echoing um, what we were discussing before about the, that you had a lot of work to do, uh, I believe you've got a, a call out for volunteers. What sort of roles are, are you looking to, to be filled uh, for your campaign? So we kind Is of. It a whole laundry it's list. It's a of... whole list of things. We need a bit of everything. Um, we need people who are going to. Um, I mean, locally here, I need somebody to help run the campaign to, to get all the. Uh, administration jobs done we need people to go and stand out on the street handing out leaflets uh, we need people making noise on social media we need people sharing and generally getting the message out there we've just got to um, get a lot of people involved and we also need to make a lot of things we need to be making videos that we can share we need to be making uh, more audio more um, you know images all, all, all this stuff to that people enjoy sharing online. That's what will get our message yeah. out. Um, we need, yeah, we need a lot of that. Uh, so yes, we, we've got a, a bunch of volunteers. One of the things that's really hard, actually, that I found really difficult um, about bootstrapping this is that even finding the time to get volunteers involved when they've said yes, I want to do something, is really hard <laughs> because yeah. actually bringing somebody in is really, really quite difficult. Um, and I'm now trying to find a way to get myself out of the being the block on that and actually just shove sure. everyone together in one place and hopefully yes. things start to happen and we can just guide yes um yes so yeah kind of letting go of the uh well not even letting go just just getting out of the way um i think is always a yeah a good way to let things happen <laughs> i was going to say something pretty cruel then because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's basically that's the management philosophy of hitler <laughs> <laughs> Was there was a thing that he sort of fostered called walking, to, working towards the Führer, and so he'd give out contradictory orders to people who then competed against each other to meet what they imagined his whim to be, um, and he he very rarely gave direct orders or um, or wrote anything wrote any orders down. He just let people have sort of guess what it is what he wanted. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm cutting this from that. That's podcast. no, no, no. Don't actually. No, that's. Um... That's really interesting. I've not heard that. What I would I would like to think of it more as letting people's own creativity and ideas come out. But yeah, that's for, it's very much the uh, the philosophy of the the whole open thing, the whole collaborative thing, which is that sure. loads and loads of people have really good ideas, right? You know, the world is full yeah. of good ideas. Let's use them. Yeah. Let's not force them through some funnel. I suppose that's sort of embodied with the manifesto, whereby it's just totally open and anyone can contribute and make changes, and it's opened up to peer review and uh, everyone sees it. Absolutely. Um, and um, the one thing we need you, you is know, more and more contributors and more diverse contributors as well. You know, we're still, you know, it really annoys me that I'm a 
approaching middle-aged white male. It's really irritating. Um, so, you know, we need more people from more backgrounds uh, yeah. adding their ideas. Yeah. Otherwise, it will end up not being something that represents a wide spectrum of people and uh, and we don't want it to we want it to be something mm. for everyone um, you also have a full roster of town hall meetings uh, on your schedule is uh, what's the next one yeah we've got the uh, the main sequence of uh, meetings is now kicking off we've got one a week until the election uh, starting oh. next Tuesday the 13th at half past eight in a little village where I used to live uh, called Rudgwick which is uh, the smallest ward in Horsham constituency. Uh, so we're starting there and working our way up to the big ones. Um, I've decided that uh, meeting in pubs works a lot better than meeting in uh, in halls. I think people are a lot less uh, worried about coming along to a pub. So uh, we're going to uh, sure. we're going to meet in the Fox Inn, which has some very nice okay. very nice beer in Rudgwick next okay. uh, next Tuesday. Great, and then. Uh I'm going to end as always do on the uh, softball trivia question. Although this isn't really a softball <laughs> trivia question, uh, I, I I was just uh, on the back of listening to your your talk uh, back then. Um, I was just curious, uh, it, it, who's the politician? Uh, I mean specifically politician um, that you most admire, uh, and living or dead, past or present. Have you got? Is there someone you know? Is Churchill? Is uh, Stalin? Presumably not the Fuhrer. But. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I thought you were going to go yeah, back there yeah. again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think this is, I think for a lot of people, this is going to nail my colours pretty strongly to one side of that 20th century spectrum. Um, but the, the one guy I always would love to hear more from and, uh, and wish I had heard more and would love to have time to read more would be Tony Benn. Um, I think his, he was a extremely... Uh, good uh, politician with a lot of uh, ideas that I uh, that I find very appealing, um, and you know he was very, extremely eloquent. He was very good at getting the uh, the his points across, and I think a, a man of the people. Um, I saw him once in uh, an audience live in Horsham um, in the theatre here, and it was uh, it was fantastic. So yes, probably him. Okay, that's a good answer. I I, I like uh, Tony Ben. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously communist, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, for more information about James' campaign, go to somethingnew.org.uk or you can uh, read the manifesto at openpolitics.org.uk and indeed contribute to the manifesto. Um, if you have any questions, uh, please ping them to at have some new with hashtag openhorsham uh, and uh, we'll get those questions answered for you. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, and thanks, James. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Bye. Not having a uh, a definite, you know, try and guess what I'm thinking and you'll win, uh, but a, uh, you know, we, we can all, we've all got good ideas, let's hear them. Um, and that's really the so philosophy behind the whole thing. For the 21st century. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Terrifying. I can't help it. <laughs> I can't help it. Good God. I'll cut that bit out. <laughs> <laughs>